Chapter One of On Dreams in Parva Naturalia by Aristotle, translated by William Alexander Hammond. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Geoffrey Edwards. Chapter One. We must next investigate dreams and inquire first of all in what part of the soul this phenomenon occurs and whether it is an affection of the thinking power or of the sensible power for it is solely by these two powers within us that we know at all if the use of sight is vision and of hearing audition and of sense in general sensation and on the other hand if there are common sensibles such as form magnitude number etc and particular sensibles such as colour sound flavour and further if it is impossible for any animal to see with its eyes closed and asleep and if this applies equally to the other senses then it is evident that we have no sensation in sleep and so it is not by means of sensation that we experience dreaming neither are dreams mediated by opinion for we not only say that an approaching object is a man or a horse but also that it is white or beautiful as to which qualities opinion apart from sensation makes no deliverances whether true or false however this is just what the soul does in sleep for as in waking so in sleep we believe we see that the approaching object is a man and that it is white again we think of other things along with the dream just as is the case with perception in our waking state for we also often think about what we perceive so in sleep along with our imaginings we sometimes have different thoughts this would become apparent to any one who would give attention on rising and try to remember there have been persons who have in this way observed their dreams as e g those who try to arrange their deliverances in accordance with the precepts of the mnemonic art for it often happens in their case that along with the dream they put something else an image before their eyes in the place in question and so it is clear that not every image seen in sleep is a dream and what we think conceptually we regard as true or false through the organ of opinion so much is clear on this subject that the same agency which in disease produces illusion while we are awake also produces the condition of illusion in sleep even when we are in sound health and know the truth still the sun appears to us to be only a foot in diameter but whether the soul's powers of imagination and sensation are the same or different in any case dreams do not take place independently of seeing and some sort of sensation for illusions of sight and hearing occur when a person really sees and hears something although not the thing that he thinks he sees or hears in sleep however there is according to the foregoing hypothesis no seeing no hearing no sensation at all the hypothesis that there is no vision is therefore untrue 
and that sensation experiences no excitation is untrue on the other hand it is possible for sight and the other senses to undergo some change and things impinge on each of them to a certain extent as in the sensation belonging to the waking state though with a certain difference sometimes opinion declares that the seen object is false as in the waking state sometimes it is held in check and conforms to the imagination evidently the affection which we call dreaming does not belong to opinion or to the thinking part of the soul neither does it belong to the sense part unqualifiedly for it would then be possible to see and hear unqualifiedly but we must consider in what sense and in what way it attaches to the part let us take this evident fact for a starting point that if sleep is a condition of the sensitive part so is dreaming for sleeping and dreaming are not ascribable to different animal organs but to the same organ inasmuch as we discussed imagination in the treatise on the soul and inasmuch as we find that the power of imagination is one with that of sensation only that the mode of expression in the two cases is different imagination being a process stimulated by an actual sensation and since dreaming appears to be a form of imagination for we call an imagination which we experience in sleep a dream whether it is unconditioned or conditioned it is evident that dreaming is a condition of the sensitive part but of the sensitive part in its power to imagine chapter two we might best observe the nature of dreams and the way in which they are caused from the standpoint of what occurs in sleep for sensible objects stimulate sensation in the several sense organs and the mental condition produced thereby is not only present during the active process of sensation but persists after the sensation has gone the phenomenon here seems to be similar to that observed in the case of thrown objects for in the case of a thrown object the movement persists although the mover is no longer in contact with the thing for the moving body communicates motion to a certain part of the atmosphere and this in turn sets another part in motion and in this way motion is caused both in the air and in water until the body comes to rest one must suppose that something like this takes place also in qualitative change a body that is warmed imparts by means of its heat warmth to the adjacent body and this in turn distributes it further on until it reaches its terminal point this therefore is what must take place in the organ wherewith we experience sensation since actual sensation is a kind of qualitative change consequently this condition is found in the sense organs not only during the process of sensation but also after the process has ceased and in their inner depths as well as on the surface this becomes evident when we have a sensation that continues over some time for when we turn our senses to something else the original sensation persists as e g when we turn from the sun to a dark object 
the result is that one sees nothing owing to the fact that the sense process stimulated by the light still lurks in the eyes and if one looks a long time at a single colour whether it be white or green things appear to be similarly coloured wherever we turn our eyes again if we look at the sun or some bright object and then shut our eyes there appears to sharp observation in the direct line which vision employs first of all a colour like the actual one which then changes to scarlet then to purple until it passes into blackness and vanishes also the senses are affected in this way when they turn quickly from objects in motion e g from looking at a river and especially from looking at swiftly flowing streams for objects at rest then seem to be in motion and men are made deaf by loud noises and their sense of smell is destroyed by strong odours and so on this evidently occurs as we describe it that sense organs readily detect even minute distinctions is proven by the use of a mirror concerning which fact one might stop at this point to investigate and make inquiries from these inquiries it will at the same time become plain that just as sight is subject to an impression so it exercises an activity when women look into a very clear mirror after their menstrual flow the mirror's surface becomes covered with a bloody cloud and if the mirror is new the stain is hard to remove but if it is old the removal is easier the reason is that the eye as we said not only receives an impression from the air but it also produces an impression and a movement just as bright things do for the eye is classed amongst objects that are bright and possess colour eyes are constituted in the same way it is reasonable to suppose as any other bodily organ and so they naturally contain veins when therefore the menstrual flow takes place owing to disturbance and flow of blood there is a difference in the eyes imperceptible to us but nevertheless real for the seed and the monthly flow have the same nature and the air is set in motion by the eyes and the air being continuous to the mirror it imparts to the latter a certain quality and an impression similar to the one it has itself received the air affects the surface of the mirror but as the cleanest clothing is the most readily stained so it is here for a clean thing shows exactly whatever taint it receives even the slightest effects more than other things do bronze especially owing to its smoothness is affected by every contact we must regard the contact of air as a kind of friction as cleaning or washing and owing to the purity of the bronze this contact however slight becomes visible the reason why stains are not readily removable from new mirrors is to be found in the fact that they are clean and smooth for stains penetrate deep into such mirrors and in every direction for owing to the mirror's pure surface the spots go deep and owing to its smooth polish they spread in all directions in old mirrors the stain does not fasten for it does not penetrate so deep but stays rather on the surface from these facts it is evident 
that movement is excited by slight distinctions that sensation is swift and further that the sense organ for colour not only receives impressions but also reacts on external objects facts regarding wine and the preparation of ointments also furnish proof for these statements for the prepared oil and wine readily take up the smells of adjacent objects and they become tainted not merely with the smell of things thrown into them or mixed with them but also of things that are placed or grow in their near neighbourhood in reference to our original inquiry let us lay down one fundamental truth which is evidenced by what has been said viz that after the removal of the external sensible object the experienced sensations persist to this we must add that when under the influence of strong feeling we are easily deceived regarding our sensations different persons in different ways as e g the coward under the influence of fear and the lover under that of love have such illusions that the former owing to a trifling resemblance thinks he sees an enemy and the latter his beloved and the more impressionable the person is the less is the resemblance required similarly everybody is easily deceived when in anger or influenced by any strong desire and the more subject one is to these feelings the more one is deceived this is the reason why men sick of a fever sometimes think they see animals on the walls owing to some slight resemblance in the figures drawn there and this tendency to illusion at times keeps pace with the intensity of the emotional experience so that in cases where the patient is not very sick he is still conscious of the deception but where his condition is more aggravated he even rushes upon these animals the explanation of this phenomenon is that the intellect and the faculty in which our images arise do not pass judgment with the same power a proof of this is that the sun appears to us only a foot in diameter and there is many another fact which contradicts our imagination also by crossing the fingers a single object under them appears to be two and yet we do not say there are two for sight is more decisive than touch if however touch were our only sense our judgment would declare that the single object is two the source of illusion is found in the fact that things whatever they may be are perceived not merely while the stimulation of the sense object continues but also during the further activity of the sense itself if this movement is the prolongation of that awakened by the sensible object i mean e g the shore appears to sailors to move although it is by something other than the shore that the eye is set in motion chapter three from these considerations it is clear that sense processes whether arising from external objects or bodily activities take place not merely during the waking state but occur also in sleep and that at this time they appear even more numerous for during the day they are kept in the background by the combined activity of the senses and the intellect and so are obscured just as a small fire is obscured when placed alongside a larger one or as trivial pleasures or pains are obscured alongside of great ones 
but when the latter have vanished then the smaller ones rise to view at night owing to the inactivity of the special senses and their incapacity to function caused by the return flow of heat from the outer into the inward parts these sense movements are carried to the primary seat of sensation and become clear when the disturbance has subsided and we must suppose as tiny whirlpools occur in rivers so each movement goes on continuously frequently in the same direction and again resolved into other forms through counter-influences consequently after eating and in the case of very young persons as e g in children dreams do not occur for there is a strong movement excited by the heat in food the case here is similar to what occurs in water when it is violently agitated viz sometimes no image is reflected and sometimes only an entirely distorted one so that the thing appears different from the reality on the other hand when the water is still we see clear and distinct images so too in sleep the images and residual movements resulting from sensations are sometimes entirely obliterated by a movement greater than the given one and sometimes visions appear confused and monstrous and the dreams are not marked by normal health but are such as one finds in the atrabilius in men sick of a fever and in men that are drunken for all these conditions are like flatulency and excite great movement and disturbance but when in sanguineous creatures the blood has come to rest and is separated off the movement of sensation that proceeds from each sense organ and persists awakens normal dreams and causes an image to appear and the person to believe that he sees something owing to the influences discharged from sight and to hear owing to the influences discharged from hearing and similarly with the other senses for by the transmission of this movement from these special organs to the primary seat of sensation one believes in the waking state that one sees and hears and perceives and because it sometimes happens that sight seems to be stimulated without its being really so stimulated we say that we see and because touch reports two movements we believe a single object to be two in a word the primary sense affirms the deliverances of the special sense when no other more decisive sense contradicts this there is without doubt an appearance but what appears is not in every case believed unless the power of judgment is inhibited or is not exercised in its normal way but as we said that some persons are subject to illusion under one condition and others under another so when asleep one is deceived by the processes of sleep by the excitations of the sense organs and by other affections of sensation to such a degree that something which bears only a slight resemblance to a given thing is thought to be that thing for when one is asleep and the mass of blood recedes to the central organ the movements in the blood whether latent or actual concentrate there and the conditions here are such that if the blood is stirred a particular movement rises to the surface and if this subsides then another follows they are related to each other like artificial frogs which rise to the surface of the water as soon as the salt on them is melted off 
and so these movements are latent in the blood and as soon as the hindrance is removed they come to active expression when set free in the small amount of blood remaining in the sense organs they stir themselves exhibiting a likeness to things such as we see in clouds which resemble men and centaurs in quickly shifting forms each of these images is as we have said the residue of actual sensation after the true sensation has gone the image continues and it is correct to say that it is something like coriscus although not coriscus and at the moment of sensation the master organ and judging faculty do not say that this is coriscus but only that owing to this sensation the real coriscus is yonder person on experiencing this sensation the master sense makes the above deliverance provided it is not entirely inhibited by the blood just as without sensation this movement is set up by the processes latent in the sense organs this latter which resembles a thing one then regards as the real thing and the power of sleep is so great that it causes us to be unconscious of this difference if one presses one's fingers under the eyes and does not notice it a single thing not only appears double but is believed to be so if the pressure is noticed the thing appears to be double but is not believed to be so and this is what happens in sleep if a person perceives that he is asleep and is aware of the sleeping condition in which the sensation occurs then the appearance will be present indeed but there is something in the person which says this is only a phantasm of coriscus and is not coriscus himself for there is often something in the soul of the sleeper which says that the appearance is only a dream if however he is not conscious of the sleeping state then nothing contradicts the imagination that the above statement is correct and that we have movements of imagination in the sense organs becomes clear if in falling asleep and on waking we attentively try to remember what happens for sometimes one will detect on waking that the images which appear in sleep are movements in the sense organs in the case of certain young persons whose sight is thoroughly good there appear before them when it is dark a multitude of moving images so that they conceal themselves in fright from all these facts one must conclude that a dream is a kind of sleeping phantasm for the imaginings in children just referred to are not dreams nor is anything else which is seen when we have the free use of our senses neither is every imagination that occurs in sleep a dream for in the first place many persons have in sleep the power in some form or other of perceiving sound colour flavour or touch although the sensation is weak and seems to come from afar persons who are asleep and open their eyes slightly and then suddenly awake have discovered the reality of the lamplight which in sleep they saw only as they thought in a glimmer and hearing the faint crowing of a cock or the bark of a dog they have on waking recognized them as loud voices some persons even reply to questions for it is possible that when one or the other of these states waking or sleeping is unquestionably present the other may be present to some extent in these cases there can be no dream neither can such processes of real thought as occur in sleep along with fancies be called dreams 
but a dream is that form of imagination that originates in the movement of sensation during the sleeping state as such it has occurred in certain instances that men have never in their lives known themselves to have a dream in other cases they have observed them when far advanced in years without having noticed them earlier the reason why dreams do not occur in these cases seems to be closely allied to the reason which prevents their occurrence in children and after eating for persons who are by nature so constituted that a large amount of vaporous matter ascends to their upper parts or the return of this matter produces in them great movement it is reasonable to suppose that in these cases there are no dream fancies in advancing years there is nothing remarkable in the fact that dreams make their appearance for where a certain physical change takes place whether owing to age or to some internal affection this changed condition regarding dreams must also occur end of chapter three and end of on dreams recording in memory of mitchell edwards